Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book of um, Acts today, um, and uh, we'll be finishing out uh, this for the weekend. Um, So we are in Acts chapter 17. Paul is addressing um, the folks in uh, Areopagus, which is the hill of Mars or the hill of Ares, He's in Athens, which is kind of like the center of learning and higher education for the whole world, really, or for this whole of, of Europe. So um, it's almost like you envision somebody going to, sp- to speak at a big university these days. And you've got all these learned people around. Um, and these people were in the middle of Athens. It, it was said that there were more uh, gods in um, Athens than there were people. Uh, can you imagine when Paul's walking around, there's temples to this and temples to that. There are just temples everywhere. So people could literally find a temple that they um, re- would relate to and be able to worship there. So it was very highly catered to deep-thinking people um, in, in religion. You know, they had their religion, they had their education. And it's this age-old... Uh, sort of um, contest, if you will, between religion and the relationship with Christianity. And McGee has said over and over that Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the whole thing. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing else. And so you get a lot of religious ceremonies and services and uh, religious philosophies These are all man-made, but Jesus cuts through all that and says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the gospel message. It's It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for people who believe. So that's what Paul's here to say. So in chapter 17, verse 22, Paul's standing in the midst of the area. Areopagus, which is Mars Hill. Um, This is where people came to speak, uh, like the great orators here. 
Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of worship, I found also an altar, an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. So Paul's just saying, hey, look, this is what I find, something to the unknown God. And that sort of means, um, it, you know, McGee says it could have meant one of two things. The, it could have meant um, to the God that we don't know about, sort of like the God of the, the Jewish people. But McGee says it was probably more like to the God or any God we've left out. You know, we're trying to make sure we um, have, a, you know, a worship to everybody, but there's probably somebody we don't uh, know about. So here's an altar to even somebody we don't know. So Paul's saying, hey, look, and it's, it's, it's brilliant that he picks up on their own inscription, their own temple, because he's saying, look, I'm appealing to your intelligence here because there's probably things that you don't know. And so I'm appealing to that sense that everybody seems to have that there are things that you just don't know. And here's your unknown God altar. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So in other words, he's saying, I'm here to talk about the unknown God. I'm here to proclaim to you the things that you don't know. This is what I'm talking about. So the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. So in other words, the age-old question of where did we come from? Where did the earth come from? Where did we come from? That's sort of unknown. He's saying that is, there is a God who did those things. And you don't know him because you... You don't know everything. So I'm proclaiming that. I'm proclaiming that God who made you heaven and earth because he said he did. Nor is he serviced by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So in other words, I'm proclaiming it. He doesn't need us at all. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on on all the face of the earth, having demanded allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling. So he said, not only did he make all heaven and earth, but he made everything, every people from one person, one nation, one mankind to live on the face of the earth. And he, and he put them where he wanted them to live in various places. So my study Bible says this kind of goes against uh, racism and things like that because there's everybody comes through one descendant. We're all descendants of the same person. Okay, so he's sort of saying there's a uh, universal, universal, universality of um, a, a universal uh, um, mankind. And McGee says, but he's not really talking about that all mankind's a brotherhood, okay? Only through Jesus Christ do we become this brotherhood in Christ, but all of mankind has come from the same person. Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. So He made this that they could seek God God. That was the original intention. And even if they didn't know God, they could feel their way towards Him and find Him. 
in my study Bible says this sort of speaks to the fact that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's with all nations, even the nations that don't know him. Even and he's sort of rhetorically talking to the to the Greeks about themselves. Even the people who don't know him, he's not far away from you because he made you. And everybody is from the same person. So there's not, he is the God of all people. He is an international God because he, he put people where they want, wanted. He put people where he wanted them. Okay, so for in him, we live and move and have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So in other words, he's quoting a, not the Old Testament now. He's quoting their philosophers and their poets. Okay? So we're saying even your own people have talked about this unknown reality. Okay? So now he goes, verse 29, we're in verse 29, but, excuse me, being then God's offspring. Okay? So he's sort of rhetorically saying we are all God's offspring, even though you don't know him. We ought not to think about the divine that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on when he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So in other words, if we're all God's offspring... Don't look at him like a an idol that you make, you know, as in your own ignorance. God's saying, look to me, repent from your own ways, turn to me, because I am going to judge this world by the righteous standards that I have. And I'm giving you this assurance that you don't have to be judged and condemned. By Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you, He is your Savior because I'm giving you a sign because He was raised from the dead. Verse 32, Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. That's the message of the gospel, that there's no more death, that there is a resurrection from the dead. That is the gospel message. We don't hear about the resurrection from the dead today in religious ceremonies. We don't hear about that there is no death. Death is so final. And mankind spends such an enormous amount of man-made time and energy to try to combat death and disease man can't do it. The gospel message is the resurrection from the dead through Jesus. That's the gospel message. So, that was the message to the most uh, learned city in Europe. Even today, we reject this message all over the world. But that's the gospel message. There is a resurrection from the dead. But some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So Paul had a lot of people not believe him. Paul had people 
belief in the Word of God. It's not in Paul. It's in the Word of God. Brilliant message. Paul in Corinth. Now, verse uh, chapter 18. Now, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, he's a, 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 apparently the Roman emperor, commanded all Jews to leave Rome. And um, he went to see them because he was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So Paul was a tent maker. He knew how to make them. So he's trying to live with them and, and earn money for his own keep, not to be a burden on anybody. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Okay, so he's there giving the gospel message out. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named um, uh, 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 Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Now, McGee teaches Corinth was a really wicked city, like the Sodom of in Gomorrah of the Old Testament, like Las Vegas today. It's just a, a wicked city. But he's staying there, and he is doing his best to try to convince people. So we're going to stop here. We're going to see how Paul does in Corinth. We'll we'll see you back here on Monday as we continue our study through the book of Acts. And um, we'll turn the rest of the podcast over, if she's able to record, to our co-host, Matali, in Zambia. Uh, And again, from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. God bless you all. We'll see you here next time.